1: Can McCole Hardman break out in 2020? Can Darrington Evans find standalone value? And why is Nick Foles going so high in some drafts? We're talking all that and more on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome back to Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Bet Online in the FFPC. I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at Rotoviz, joined by the editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network, Matt Friedman. Matt, I understand that uh you are wrapping up your process of moving, and it sounds like you might be in the home stretch.
0: Yeah, so just um like detached uh the the washer in the dryer by the way have a uh a sort of weird story um there've been times over the past couple of years where my wife swears that she has heard like a bird in our dryer or uh in you know like in the the washing and drying room like the laundry room and uh yeah like i have to admit there've been times when I'm like yeah you know maybe there's sort of like a bird kind of near the outside or you know and then like at points i would sort of check at the the vent and I'd be like, OK, yeah, like there, you know, there's like this little nest that's kind of there on the edge and then I would wipe it away and then whatever. But like as I'm disconnecting everything, um, like in the vent hose that goes from the dryer <laughs> into like the vent that goes outside, like all of that is basically like a bird's nest uh there're just wow. like twigs falling out of there uh like old it's it's like disgusting but like old uh like bird eggs um like like a bird basically built a mansion uh extending <laughs> from the outside of our house into probably like the very outside part of our dryer so that was disgusting
1: that's nuts yeah. um I feel like there's obviously some benefits too of the fact that they had heating within this nest too, so yeah, you know eight plus to that bird for picking that spot
0: yeah, except i I feel like uh there might have been like some some uh you know tailed uh tailed um consequences that the bird didn't take into account like the you know like uh there's a chance that like the bird died or something like right. that because of this uh and then also like uh the eggs i you know like never hatched. Um, so right. maybe something with the heat uh disrupted the eggs.
1: Right. <laughs> All right. Well, that is actually a pretty uh interesting one. I I have never heard of that happening. So hopefully when you guys make the the move, uh, you know, a bird does not decide to build a nest in your new or well, I guess you're taking it with you, but we'll say in your new piping, yes. so to speak. Yeah. Okay. Um, I do have a quick note on the range of outcomes app that I thought of after Matt and I talked last week and he basically You know, ripped the thing to shreds for 45 minutes. Um, The tools you say that like it's a bad thing. Anyway, go ahead. (laughs) <laughs> the tool itself, when you're looking at the high and lows that are within it, it's truncating off the bottom 25%, truncating off the top 25%, so that's removing any outliers and trying to give you like a better sense of where the middle ground would be. I just want to make everybody aware of that before they start panicking that they need to go in and start scratching off Calvin Johnson and these these similar players everywhere. Um, at any rate, Matt, an unfortunate uh, scenario for San Francisco and Debo Samuel, who broke his foot, could be out three to five months. How do you think this shakes things up in San Francisco's wide receiver core?
0: So I think one of the first things is just trying to come up with an estimate. uh, I mean, if you even can, of how many games Debo is going to miss. And it's like a huge range of, of possibility there where maybe he misses just a couple of games. Maybe he doesn't even miss any games or like maybe he's on the pup to start the year. And then he comes back and plays a little bit. And then, you know, like he's not efficient. Maybe he re-enters his foot, whatever it is. So I'm projecting him right now for 13 games played. And even in those games, I've knocked down a little bit uh, the target share that I would expect him to get. Um, Just because I think he's probably not going to be quite as efficient. uh, And so maybe they shift targets to other players. So uh, I'm, I'm knocking Debo down quite a bit, uh, in the projections and the rankings and the guys who benefit the most, the first one is George Kittle. And this feels rather obvious. Um, in 2018, when he was just an absolute dominator, he had 26% of the teams receiving, uh, or, or rather, uh, targets, uh, target opportunities, uh, on a per game basis. And then last year he had 22%. And so with Debo out for a few games. Uh, I am shifting some of those targets over to Kittle. And so I think he will be closer to that 26% market share that we saw a couple of years ago, instead of the 22% that we saw last year. And then the second guy that I think benefits, and, and this is fairly clear, but like Brandon Ayuk, but I don't think he basically gets all of the targets that would have gone to Debo. I think a lot of those shift over to Kittle and then whatever is left over goes to Ayuk. And then You know, it just kind of trickles down from there, like a little bit to Kendrick Bourne and then, you know, maybe a remnant to Jalen Hurd or something like that. But it's pretty much Kittle and Ayuk.
1: Yeah. And when you sit down, I think just to go through that team... Even before the Samuel injury, it's so hard to not toss a ridiculous percentage George Kittle's way because of what we have seen in the past. And, you know, unfortunately for the people out there, they've been hoping that we can see Jalen Hurd, Dante Pettis, you know, maybe find a way into the offense. I think it does make sense that we're going to see the majority of the share given up by Samuel get concentrated within Kittle more so than any other player. It is time for today's FFPC Stat Attack. And we are talking about Nicole Hardman today, who last season, of all players with 25 or more receptions, led the league with 11.384 yards after the catch per reception. As a reminder, the FFPC is home to the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry. Including Dynasty, Best Ball, and of course, the world famous FFPC main event. To learn more or to join a league, head to myffpc.com. That's M Y F F P C.com. And of course, we have a number of tools at RotoViz specifically designed for FFPC domination. Okay, Matt, that is an impressive yards after the catch number for Hardman who as a rookie posted six touchdowns on just 41 targets. I would like to consider Hardman to be a potential breakout candidate. But when I look through this stack Chiefs offense, I have major concerns about his potential to see an increased opportunity share in 2020. So my question for you is, barring any injuries in the Kansas City offense, how much of a step forward could he realistically take in 2020?
0: I think it's hard for him to take a step forward, um, even if you assume that he gets uh, a, a couple more targets per game than he used to, which I guess I'll just say one. I think that's a tough assumption to make. Uh, Evan Silva has a pretty good tweet, and it's based on uh, research from uh, Rich Rebar, a.k.a. Lord Reeves. But uh, looking at the games in which both Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins were active, Miko Hardman had just 18 targets in those 13 games like he was just not a big part of what they were doing. Now I'm assuming that he's going to play uh, a bigger role this year than he did last year and and kind of take over for Demarcus Robinson within that offense. But uh, even if you are assuming that he gets more targets per game this year than he did last year, um, I mean, it's hard to imagine that he's as efficient both on a, uh, both in terms of uh, the yards that he's getting on a per target basis. And then also like the touchdowns that he's getting on a per target basis. So, you know, kind of building that regression into the projection. um, I still think that he's going to have like a decent number of yards, like he might have more yards this year than he had last year, but I doubt he will have seven touchdowns again, because he also had a, a touchdown as a return man and he's a really good return man. And so, you know, maybe he does get a touchdown as a returner, but I would say like, I think he's closer in the five touchdown range this year, uh, as opposed to the seven that he had last year.
1: Yeah. And the interesting thing I think is last year when we had people talking about him being Tyreek Hill light heading into the season, he did deliver on that, did show the efficiency, was able to do a lot with a little, which is what we've come to know Tyreek Hill for being able to do. But. Ultimately, what it boils down to is he's playing in one of the best offenses in the league behind a similar player who is probably the ultimate example of that prototype of player that Harmon is hoping to be and has shown that he can be. But there's just not enough room for opportunity for me to really think that there could be a breakout. And the other thing is, I'd say, you know, if you're getting him late in drafts, he's a great player to take that chance on. Um, but, you know, as, as you and I have talked about before, that's not really a possibility this year.
0: Yeah, I think if you get your investment in Hardman, you probably do it on a weekly basis uh, through DFS in, in your tournaments. But if you're doing it for season long, if you look at FFPC ADP uh, in the app at Rotoviz, you'll see that he's going around guys like Jamison Crowder, Henry Ruggs, Mike Williams. I'd rather have all of those guys uh, over Miko uh, Hardman, and that's nothing against Hardman, who I I think has a lot of talent. I just I, I see them as having a greater chance of returning value uh, at that ADP, and, and maybe even like having league winning difference. Um, in comparison to to Hardman, um, and then I'd say even Sammy Watkins, uh, who you know by comparison is going at wide receiver fifty four, uh, I think he you know uh, by the end of the season Watkins Hardman they will have probably similar numbers. Uh, Watkins might even have more production. I would probably rather have Watkins like nine to ten wide receivers later uh, than Hardman. So I you, know, you always kind of have to balance wanting upside. And trying to get value, but I think you know with Watkins, you get the upside that you want out of Hardman, but you get it at uh, you know, the value, uh, the value point in the draft.
1: Right. And we've seen Watkins have absolutely absurd games with the Chiefs. I mean, I think it was week one last year, uh, where he put up three touchdowns, scored over 40 C- 40 fantasy points, and he was strong in the playoffs as well. So, you know, there is some track record there of him being a very strong fantasy player with the Chiefs, then you also take into account that he's coming after Hardman and is probably the player that if you're doing the target shares behind Kelsey and Hill, you would pencil in for the highest volume. So if something happens to either of them, I would expect him to see the biggest uptick. So it just would make more sense to go and use the pick on him nine or so spots later than trying to chase the Chiefs offense with Hardman. Yep. All right. We have a lot more to talk about. But before we do, let's take a quick moment for a word from our sponsor, Bet Online. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. And they are leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, They have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right. We have not spoken too much about Darrington Evans, who will be playing behind Derrick Henry in the Tennessee backfield. Can he have standalone value, Matt? Darrington Evans, I do
0: not expect to have much, if any, standalone value. Uh, I think it's going to be the Derrick Henry show once again. Uh, And so I think, you know, maybe we see something like uh, kind of super Deion Lewis from 2019, but I'm really not expecting you know, I'd say like 500 yards at the most. And I, I'm still thinking Derek is the guy who's going to score the super majority of touchdowns out of anyone in that backfield. So uh, I really don't have much interest in Darrington Evans, which is probably short-sighted. Like I know he was taken with a, uh, a pick in the first three rounds. He has great speed. Um, you know, he was productive in college. So there are things to like about him, but I just, I still see Henry as the guy in that team.
1: Well, the the thing here is Lewis played 16 games last year, only saw 32 targets. So I've heard people talk about the fact that there's a clear path to him getting some involvement in the offense in year one, which, OK, yeah, he, he might get some targets. But even if he's doubling up on that, it's 60 targets, which is a decent amount of targets. But unless he's getting a lot of usage as a rusher, which seems unlikely, having standalone value, which was the question, would be very hard for him to actually achieve. So I don't disagree with you there. Another backfield that I want to talk about is the one in Atlanta. Todd Gurley will be playing for the Falcons for the first time in 2020. Behind him, we have Edo Smith and Brian Hill. Do you think that either of those players is a better late round option? Do you have any interest in either? I think the thought process here is, There are reasons to be concerned about Todd Gurley's health, which as a result makes these guys feel like they're the type of running backs to keep your eye on. I don't have a lot of faith
0: in Edo Smith, um, because even if Todd Gurley does suffer an injury or gets benched because of ineffectiveness, something like that, I don't think Edo Smith is going to be the guy who really takes over as the lead back. I think Brian Hill would maybe have a shot at doing that. Uh, He's just built more like a lead back, you know, has been fairly decent as a runner, not great as a receiver, but I I think decent enough uh, as a three down player where, you know, he could get the first crack at it. And even if it's a a committee, I would assume that it's a committee. I still think Brian Hill would be the guy who uh, leads the committee in opportunities and especially goal line carries.
1: Well, my, um, my dynasty shares of Edo Smith that I purchased uh, at one point in time are, are not very happy about that, but um, I'm not necessarily going to disagree with you. Um, all of these players, and I think I'm going to name you five or six players, tell me which one excites you the most in 2020, and your answer cannot be none of them excite me. Rex Burkhead, Ty Montgomery, Lamar Miller, currently a free agent, Bryce Love, or Justice Hill?
0: I mean, why are we even talking about any of these guys?
1: Well, Matt, (laughs) as we've talked about before, some shows do have to cover lower level players. We can only focus on those top level players so much. Uh, And I know that you were a big fan of Justice Hill last year. There's people out there that will point to Rex Burkhead as the actual Patriots running back to own. Um, I've heard mentions of maybe Lamar Miller getting picked up By a team like the Texans, again, if something does happen to David Johnson, not trusting Duke Johnson, I'm trying to give us, you know, a chance to talk about some players that might get less coverage. Okay, so... Let's kind of re- do I need to do I do I need to start framing every every question no, like just, that with my qualifier as no, to just, why it's a uh, question I feel like
0: uh whoever whoever's listening to the show would maybe want to uh to hear why you thought we should spend time
1: talking about these five players but uh let's I am not going to sit here and justify <laughs> my questions to this audience you know I almost feel like I should take on a um you know like a, a, a s- somewhat narcissistic um you know egotistical uh persona on this show it might be good for ratings uh,
0: uh, sure, I mean it's worked for Fantasy Mansion, so uh, yeah, <laughs> just, just try here. Okay, so Justice Hill. I mean, I I like him. I think he has talent, but uh, J.K. Dobbins is now there, and of course, Mark Ingram is still there. So uh, I'm I'm much less optimistic on Justice Hill uh, than I than I was last year. Bryce Love. I mean, I don't even I don't even know where to start there. Washington's offense. Could be really bad. Maybe they take a step forward, but it, it could be really bad. But even regardless, uh, Love is coming off of an injury, and there are I don't know anywhere from three to five guys ahead of him on the depth chart. Um, you know, if things go perfectly for Bryce Love, I think he ends up playing as a complementary player behind guys and maybe Antonio Gibson. So, not super enthusiastic about him. Lamar Miller. Uh, he's old. He's not with the team, and he's coming off an injury. So just totally pass on him. Uh, Rex Burkhead is interesting in that I think he actually might be the best back on the Patriots. Like that has actually maybe been the case for a while. Um, just in terms of his all-around skill set, he's pretty decent as a runner, or like good enough as a runner. Um, good enough as a receiver. Like he's obviously better as a receiver than Sony Michelle better as a runner than James White. So like that means and then I would just say like probably uh I don't know if he's actually better than uh Damian Harris, but uh at least more proven than than Damian Harris. And so like in in some capacity like he actually strikes me as maybe really the best running back on the Patriots, but one that doesn't mean anything because I don't think he's actually going to get the, an opportunity. He's like 30 years old this year, like, uh, that's just, he's not in a position to finally have his breakout season at age 30. So I'm not really going to be super into Rex Burkhead unless a couple of guys get injured. And we might be heading that direction with Sony Michelle and like the news that, you know, there's some uncertainty, uh, lingering injury issues. Maybe he's not ready for week one. So I'd say like pay attention to Rex Burkhead, but the guy, I guess I would pay attention to the most is Ty Montgomery, which uh, feels kind of weird to say um, because I don't really even know how much opportunity he might get. But uh, Latavius Murray is older and uh, you know, really wasn't used all that much last year when Alvin Kamara was healthy. Um, I think Montgomery has a skill set that is actually pretty similar to Kamara's. Um, but you know, so maybe there's like the capacity where like, maybe they cut Latavius Murray cause he's older, whatever it is, but like m- most people wouldn't even be able to name what team Montgomery is on. But I would say like, he is solidly the number three back right now, um, in, in new Orleans. And, you know, I don't know, like if Kamara gets injured, I think Montgomery actually could do like a pretty decent Kamara impersonation if he ever gets that shot so it's it's between Burkhead and Montgomery. maybe I lean a little more Burkhead because like I do think he has a small role that's already built in. I think he's talented, and if Michelle misses time and like we're maybe trending in that direction, maybe he actually gets an opportunity to take over as the lead back. but uh, I don't know. I think all of those guys suck. <laughs>
1: See, now that was a good answer. I think we got a lot of interesting insight. It brought out a good Matthew Friedman response, and I'm glad that I asked the question. Um, Here's an interesting thing, Matt. Are you aware that Rex Burkhead, when he was at the Combine at an age of 22.7, 5'10", 214, ran the 40-yard dash in just 4.73 seconds— However, his combined agility was a 10.94. So he's an interesting player. Ninth percentile 40-yard dash, 90th percentile shuttle, and an 87% three cone. I'm going nowhere with this, other than that is quite an interesting contrast. It's
0: it's a weird profile. It's like the the prototypical, like, um he's more quick, like he's quicker than he is fast. You know, like right. that's that's just what Burkhead is.
1: Okay. Um Moving along with some more coverage here of the Texans, Kenny Stills or Randall Cobb, it looks like they are going to be vying for the wide receiver three spot on the team. From a fantasy perspective, who do you feel better about, Stills or Cobb?
0: I think I would rather have Kenny Stills. Um, I think he's a little more explosive. And I think... If Fuller or Cooks goes down, um, Stills has the capacity to play in that role. And I just I think at this point, he's just better than Randall Cobb.
1: Yes. So I had Stills as my wide receiver three in my projections. I finalized the projections, which are actually probably going to go up on the site live later tonight after we finish recording. However, and I'm not going to name any names. I did send my projections off to two other Rotovis team members to get some input. And that one of the pieces of feedback I got was that I had Kenny Stills too high and that Randall Cobb had a better chance or not necessarily a better chance, but had a very realistic chance of beating him out for the wide receiver three spot. So I am glad to hear that you consider it to be stills. I know Cobb had a little bit of a resurgence last year, but at this point, I think that there's more that stills can offer. And also, like you said, he fits a little bit more into that Cooks Fuller type of profile. Of course, there might be some redundancies there, but I don't know that Cooks and Fuller are the type of players that we expect to play the whole season as well, or to be able to see significant high-level usage game in and game out. So it feels to me like there's just more opportunity for Stills. Yeah, I think. And you could also go so far as to say that some of what Cobb does might be redundant with Duke and David Johnson. Yeah, I I think that's likely. And um, yeah, Stills, I think he,
0: I think they might have similar medium projections, but I think Stills has the higher ceiling
1: projection. I like that. I like that. All right, moving along, Anthony Miller and Keel Harry or Golden Tate. Who do you like more in twenty twenty?
0: Oh man, um, I I think I will probably go with Golden Tate, but um, this is sort of like the range of players in which I would rather just kind of pass altogether. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not very optimistic on Inkeel Harry. Um, and Mm -hmm. maybe I'm wrong about that, but, um, I don't know. I, I just think that Julian Edelman is going to get a lot of targets. And I think that offense is going to take a pretty significant step back. Uh, even if Jared Stidham is like, okay, like even if he's sort of like game manager level, okay. Um, I think it's just going to be hard for more than one pass catcher really to have a chance to dominate and I think Edelman is clearly the guy who's going to get the targets and so at that point you have Harry having to compete with other guys for targets and I just I I don't know I'm, I'm pessimistic about his ability to break out
1: well I mean you say you think it's going to take a step back let's keep in mind too this Patriots offense sucked last year it was not a good offense um But what I'm thinking about as I I review this question is if I'm at the point in a draft of mine where I am taking one of these names, it's not going to be gold. Like if I'm at the point where like I'm going after Golden Tate because I feel like there's some built-in production, I feel like I have done something wrong with my team. So via that, I'm removing Tate and I think it comes down to Miller and Harry, um, which again, I might have slightly better median expectations for Miller, but I think I would go with Harry just in case things really do surprise us. In New England, it turns out that Harry is as good as I thought he was entering the league and just didn't click with um, Brady, but perhaps can make a connection with Stidham. So this is kind of where it goes to just the way I'm constructing my rosters, which would bring me to thinking that Harry is the that's, name I would go with. Yeah, here. that's fair. I mean, I think Tate has the highest median outcome
0: out of the three of them, but yeah, Harry might have the most upside. Even if you're just thinking of like, okay, this guy's still young. He was a first rounder last year. Like, I'm going to take a shot on him. Like, he might have the highest upside.
1: Would you trade a um a Round two dynasty rookie pick for in Keel Harry. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. Because even yeah. just a year ago, he was in the top three. You know, like people were drafting him as the number one wide receiver off the board last year. Easily, I would, I would trade a uh, rookie second rounder for him.
1: And then you always have the situation too of like you make that move, you get Harry, and then I don't know in week two of the season. He scores two touchdowns, gets like 100 yards. All of a sudden, his value is back up to near where it was before. So it's easy for a player like that to get their value back. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, in FFPC Redraft Leagues, I have seen, an ADP supports this, Nick Foles going ahead of Ben Roethlisberger in some, cl- in some cases by like eight quarterback ADPs. Is there something going on here that I am not aware of?
0: Uh, no. That feels very weird to me. Um, And I'm looking in the ADP app. And so like maybe there are some leagues where that's happening, but I wouldn't say that's like the majority of leagues, right?
1: Well, it probably wouldn't be, but let's just go with this, right? Because we do have Nick Foles. And you know what? Some of this comes down to, I think in recent drafts, not that many people have been drafting Nick Foles. And where they have, it's been shooting up his ADP. Okay. Um, so,
0: so I think it might be a combination of a couple of things. If we're one, just focusing on foals. Um, I would say maybe there are some people who are super enthusiastic about the idea of him, uh, starting right away in week one, uh, and what he could potentially do, um, you know, in Matt Nagy's offense with someone like Allen Robinson. Um, you know, maybe there's some enthusiasm there with the idea that like, he's going to start the full year. Um, but I would say like on the flip side of that, um, I don't know, like Ben Roethlisberger is highly undervalued, you know, going as like the quarterback 17 and even a little bit later, uh, in some drafts, uh, that's just way too late for a guy who, uh, when he's been healthy has been, you know, in a, on a PPR, sorry. And a point per game basis has been, you know, like a top 10, top 12 quarterback pretty consistently. And, uh, you know, granted, he doesn't have Antonio Brown anymore, but he still has a lot of weapons at his disposal. So, uh, yeah, I mean, anyone taking uh, foals over Roethlisberger, um, either they are being like super
1: bold, or I think they're just kind of overlooking the value that Roethlisberger has. Um, the other thing that I want to mention too is people will say, Oh, but Roethlisberger is old now, he's fat, he's out of shape. He's been old, fat, and out of shape for like five yes, years. So yes. I don't think that really matters. Yeah. Accurate. All right. And on that old, fat, and out of shape note, uh, that does it for this episode. You can reach us at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at CabinF and at MattFTheOracle. Thanks to Bet Online and the FFPC for sponsoring the show. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And as always, remember, it's not a fantasy for you believe it.